Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. G'day and welcome to the Farms for Us podcast where we talk everything agribusiness to help you, the farmers. Find out the leaders and the innovators of the industry and join us on our journey of piecing together the successful farming template. Today on the show, as part of finding that successful farming template, we have our first duo. Join myself with Pip and Skeet from Pinaroo Farms. They're an amazing couple and how they've gotten into agriculture and how they're going at the moment is just really unbelievable how far they've really come. They've gone a little bit lentil though, but let's jump in and see what it's all about, what this flower is about as well. Let's go. Welcome to the podcast, Pinaroo Farmers. G'day, how are you, Jack? Thanks, Jack. Thanks for having us. So we've got Pip and Skeet. What's behind the name Skeet? How'd you get that? Uh, well, when I was about uh, a day or two old, I was born with a big head, a little body like a mosquito, and it's just stuck to me. <laughs> yeah, it's right. not that funny. I'm pretty sensitive about it, actually. <laughs> true, true, true Aussie style, getting the nickname when I was overseas. There was no, no one really does nicknames over there. It's all just by first name, so it was a bit different. But good to hear yeah. you've got... It's come through all the way to now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 41 years, proud. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thanks for coming on the show. The reason you're on the show is you're variating within your business, your farm, um, and it's really interesting to see these stories and how farmers are able to make a new channel of income and also to step back off the farm and just see how they can improve or add something into the mix. So, Thanks for coming on the show, really important. But before we get down to your agribusiness, can you just give a bit of a background for both of you on what your connection is to agriculture? Were you born into it or did you just see the light? 
Um, thanks for having us. So we actually have a different farming story. We moved back to my family's farm. So I'm the fourth generation farmer. And yeah, I guess I moved off the farm and went to boarding school and uh, did uni and travelled and I actually ended up doing a dip ed in um, middle school uh, teaching in science and geography. So I spent a fair bit of time doing that. And then I met Skeet. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I grew up in Adelaide, um, just out, just Port Adelaide there in Semaphore. Um, yeah, joined the Air Force in 2001. I spent 13 years there. Um as a maintenance engineer on the P3 Orions. And um, after that, well, yeah, in 2010, I um, met Pip online. And uh, then, yeah, we, uh, we, yeah, moved. That's when the romance the started. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, both, both for farming and for you, you two as a couple. Yeah, well, we moved back. Uh, so my mother passed away, actually, and dad, wasn't sure what to do with the farm and I've got two brothers who had uh, come back but decided not to be farmers and have since developed other careers off farm but still have quite a connection to to the land which is lovely and dad just said to us you know he'd made the offer to come back no strings attached to give it a go for a year or two um, because he was wondering what to do with it um and yeah, after two years, we ended up well loving it. We're still here, and we took the business over um, after three years. So, Dad now is uh, semi-retired and helps out in seeding and harvest, and he's mad on Twitter. So he tags us in all these articles we need to be reading, which is great to have someone to do that for us, and still loves. Um, going to all the field days, you know, when they're on and yeah, uh, chatting well, about. Well, who doesn't love Twitter at that age at the, like whoever's <laughs> on there as a farmer, geez, they're vocal, aren't they? They yeah. are. They definitely are. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if he's vocal. He's just a, a very good listener and observer. <laughs> An <laughs> avid liker. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Helps us with machinery research and things like that. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that transition is very similar to a lot of out, a lot of people out there um, coming onto the family farms, deciphering through who actually wants it, um, and if someone does want it in the end. So beautiful to see you have taken it over. Three years isn't too long of a time to take over the farm. So well done. Thank you. Yes, it was a very steep learning curve. Um, I think our first year by ourselves, Dad decided to take an overseas trip and. There was diamondback moth through the canola and we rang dad and he was in the middle of America somewhere in terrible phone reception and <laughs> we're standing there in the canola paddock going, it's full of moths. <laughs> and he goes, well, I don't know what to do about it. We said, then you've been farming longer. And he goes, yeah, but every year is different, Pip, so you've just got to work it out. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. It's probably it, the even standard though, dad reaction. Yeah. 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 So he's been doing it 57 years and still nature throws curveballs every now and then, as we all know. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And for yourselves, your backgrounds are quite diverse. I mean, coming from the Air Force and being a teacher, teacher is quite relatable, but the Air Force is a little bit different and 
regimented towards like farming. Skate, you might be able to tell me a bit different. Do you think it's totally different the way that it's structured? No, actually, I don't think it is. I think no. fit it in pretty well because nuts and bolts still go the same way. Yeah. Um, yep. Still righty tidy, lefty loosey, and it was good to have that structure. And um, I probably wasn't the most structured person in the air force, so I was probably a little bit loose to come back onto the onto the farming onto the farm. So um, and to have that direction and a bit of a strategy, and uh, I guess a clear goal and how we could sort of work it out. It yeah, it worked pretty well. It works really well. We had to learn agriculture. Yeah, just had to learn the agriculture, that's all. Yeah, well, I think everyone's still learning agriculture, even farmers have <laughs> been doing it for 57 years. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Beautiful. Let's let's move on and talk about a bit of your agribusiness. What's happened for anyone that doesn't know or hasn't seen your products from Pinaru? Can you just tell us a bit about that and how it all came about? Yeah, so we grow wheat, barley and lentils um, predominantly and uh, in the eight years of 2018 and the year of 2019, we were hit with a problem where we had um, really dry finishes to to our season and severe frosts, so we were, they were getting down to minus seven in the paddock. Um, yeah, quite cold and we ended up, when we were harvesting the lentils due to the dry finish, they were becoming chipped and damaged in the machinery. No matter what sieve setting we had the header on, we just could not get a clean enough sample. And we typically grow our lentils for the export, um, for export in our area. And we went to the silo and we got downgraded purely on visual specifications. So we had uh, it nutritionally tested and there was absolutely nothing wrong with it so basically to cut a long story short we were left with a lot of produce we just had no market to sell into and that happened two years in a row and we and I know New South Wales was going through a big drought at the time and so we're looking at well how what can we do with these lentils you know how maybe we could do something with it for stock feed or we just didn't really know um and then the third catalyst was when uh, sort of on the personal front where one of our daughters was a really bad sleeper and eater and we just were at our wits end and we ended up going to nutritionist in Adelaide and she said because she stopped eating meat and she was just, yeah, anyway, it was, <laughs> it was a challenging couple of years. And she said, oh, we need to get some more protein into her for starters and then we started looking into the plant-based protein and I tried adding lentils as they are and she would pick them out. So we are driving to Adelaide one day and Skeet and I both thought, why don't we just mill them into a flower? <laughs> She'll never know. And so then we, we bought a little domestic mill and we started trialling it on our nearest and dearest and they too were starting to have some success with picky eaters and then it sort of, grew from there then we um did a little bit more research desktop research looking at our food trends and what was happening overseas especially in canada and america and europe and we're looking at pulse flowers and what was happening and we feel whilst it's not huge here yet in australia there's definitely definitely some positive uh, signs coming through so 
yeah, that's really how it all started, Jack. It's pretty cool to, like, you found a solution to what your problem was. You're getting chipped for having chipped lentils down at your grain receivable site, I suppose, um, and finding that new market. How long has it actually taken from the day you sort of started until you got some packaging? So we ended up applying for a, a grant through farmers to founders and they had a three and we were successful which was great um they had a three-month intensive so like an incubator an incubator course where it was focusing on getting your ideas out of the paddock and into marketplace so whether it was a food value add um idea or a agri-tech idea so we went through that program and that was very intensive. So we, we got some really good uh, structures around how to do customer research to find out, are we just solving our problem or <laughs> are there other people out there in a similar situation? Uh, do people even care about lentil flour? Um, so a lot of customer research, which was great because I think what well, the one good thing about that program it's very evidence-based and I think as farmers we are evidence-based because before we go to implement anything on our farm we usually like to see trials or data or uh so the way they presented their material was was great um so after that had finished we had built a very basic website um we had developed a prototype and then we were ready to um, sell it via our online store. And that's, uh, yeah. Great stuff. So when you first sold it, was it online, was it? Not at the market store? No, we actually sold it online and we still have our little online shop. Um, yep. And because of what we launched right in the middle of when the whole of Australia was in lockdown, <laughs> so there wasn't any markets to really go into, True. you know, like farmers markets or anything. Um, so everything was done online and, yeah, that was really interesting and it was was kind of good in a way because people were sort of looking for new things to try. Um, they were noticing some of the typical supplies that they bought, sorry, some of the supplies that they typically buy in supermarkets had sold out and so they were willing to try new things and, and yeah, then once sort of Australia started to open back up again, then we um, went into a few wholesale bulk uh, shops in Adelaide. And, yeah, now we have sold you know, over four tonne of flour, four tonnes of flour, which is great. So some of that's gone into restaurants and into, yeah, bigger uh, whole food shops and obviously online. So, yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing for you guys to be able to see like your end product rather than just take being a price taker and having your a physical product right in front of your face that you are selling. It's pretty cool as a farmer, don't you think, that you do have that? And it's something oh, that definitely. you can work on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's um I mean historically all we do is, you know, we put it in the truck and we take it to the silo or it goes down to the wharf and it uh yeah, it goes off and and one of our things was you know like we grow wheat 
which makes bread. We grow barley, it makes beer, and our lentils are going straight into a shipping container and going off and feeding someone else. And yeah. one of our yeah. bugbears was like, we make these beautiful food, this beautiful ingredient. Why don't we use it? Um, and so that's it was one of our things. We're like, well, how can we make it versatile? And um, you know, with it being so healthy and good for your gut, it's it was just an added bonus, really. Yeah, you've stopped calling it a commodity, selling in large bulk, and now you brought it mm-hmm. down to product level so you can be served onto local tables um, right across Australia. But let's take a step back and look at your farming operation to see how it powers the Pinaroo farmer and your different flowers. What is your yeah. operation there and how does it work to feed this new business of yours? Uh, so we're 4,000 acres. Yeah. Um, we've got some um, sort of some light sand over clay, um, loamy soil and probably some little, a little bit of heavier soil as well. Um, we're about 300 and 300 to 320 mils of rain every year. Um, we, you know, just got a, we're no-till. Um, yeah, everything's, you know, we've got some, um, we're not controlled traffic, but everything's sorted back to 40 foot um, with yeah. our machinery. And, yeah, no, it's all sort of, it's not the latest stuff, but it's yeah, it gets over and it's pretty efficient because it's majority just myself. Mm. And I guess we, we uh, so we've separated the two from a business structural perspective, we've separated the two businesses. So um, the reason to just to go back a step is we, we called it Pinnery Farms because one day we hope to grow out of our business, you know, whatever our farm can generate and we can buy off other farmers in our district so it'll become a regional branding of flour rather than it's just about us so and and especially if farmers are, have, are in that similar situation you know having the lentils that might not meet export based on visuals so yep. that's a, a great opportunity um for us and for the locals as well so we will eventually buy off our farm and um yeah buy off others so I think we're pretty excited that because we've been practicing no-till for the last 19 years here in the Mallee and that's really, really helped us through some tough years and, you know, having the lentils in our rotation, you'd probably agree, Skeet, that it's just made our soil health and structure so much better and we'd just be able to, you know, whilst we're still having those tough years, they're not you know, rock, rock bottom, <laughs> like they used to go. Uh, I remember Dad talking about it when the whole, you know, top of the paddock would just go across, you know, 5, 10, 20 kilometres. <laughs> and, you know, how we had to change, you know, back in the early 2000s to mitigate that. Yeah, you'd walk out the front door and you'd just see the topsoil of the paddock just blow away right in front of you. Yeah, yes. it's not a great feeling. It's not a great sight either. <laughs> so we're lucky that dad had sort of had the the foresight to to begin that process so long ago and you know whilst we're going we share the same values and you know we want to continue along that and I think with some of the tech that's coming out nowadays it's only going to get better and um I think exposing people that's what we found through this business actually Jack has 
people loving to see how their food's grown and where it's grown and, you know, just even the size of the truck auguring out, you know, 30 tonnes of lentils, people are just so just blown away by the numbers, even though we just see that as one truck full. (laughs) It's like, oh, my gosh, it's, you know, yeah, and it's really great to be able to share that too. Yeah, I think you, you're starting to create the story around where it comes from and connecting it to whoever's buying it. There's a book that just came out. You might have heard of it. She came on the show, Why You Should Give a Fuck About Farming. Um, and I think your cause is quite relatable to what the book is about, is about bringing the food back to the people rather than selling for bulk and just being a price taker as a farmer and how those different policies take a part in why we do sell bulk commodities and how Australians don't really care about the food as much as what other cultures do. Um, We're just a Mm. quick grab, bite to eat and out the door again. But I think what you're doing and how the farm is operating is pretty important and seems to be working quite well together. What sort of, have you even, have you got any new technologies on board? adopted anything new that has allowed you to grow or even the time to get back into the office and work on your marketing for Pinaroo? Oh, that's a good question. We've got some food tech ideas in the pipeline yep. for our new We're moving into sprouting our lentils, so um, which is really, really exciting. So our current flower now is our, we're calling it our original lentil flower. So that straight out of the uh, off the paddock, um, it's cleaned and then milled. So we're taking it a step further and and sprouting them. So we're in the process of developing a small uh, sprouting manufacturing plant. Um, and there's some great innovative ways which we can't go into into too much detail yet, um, which is really really exciting. So. It, what the what does that sprouting we, do? Does it increase the amount that you have on hand or is it a new product? Well, it's going to be a new product actually. Yeah. So the reason why we're sprouting is that lentils actually have a lot of phytic acid in them naturally, which stops our body from absorbing a lot of the micronutrients that are in lentils. So we all know that lentils are good for you anyway. And if you're eat, to eat lentils, you're still going to get an excellent source of Uh, protein and dietary fiber however uh, when you sprout them and you reduce the phytic acid you're actually allowing the other micronutrients nutrients such as calcium and uh, folate and iron uh, uh, to become more bioavailable for your body and its digestive system so it's really, really exciting. There's some great research about that. Um, Canada's well on the way to to uh, down this path. So, um, yeah, we're hoping to have the new product out either late this year or in January next year. And right. that's a lot of R&D behind that. So it's really moving into the food science area which is really exciting and you know combining that with our farm and how we grew yeah so look we've definitely had our challenges haven't we <laughs> with how this all works together and you know we still have to run the farm as well um so you know we're not quite out the woods but 
we're definitely on the way to to developing something really cool. And we've just had, we've got a technical baker who used to eat in his bakery for the last 40 years and he's come on board to um, educate us about how it cooks and bakes and all the different terminology, like another language in cooking, yeah. <laughs> like it's crumb and crust structure and <laughs> how many bubbles are in the bread and all this kind of stuff. So that's been a massive learning curve for us, understanding uh, the food aspect of this business, which we didn't really anticipate, <laughs> which is 100%. funny. So are you only using your lentils um, as flowers or are you doing anything with your wheat and barley afterwards? Oh, no, we're just focusing on lentils okay. at the moment. Um, we, yeah, we're going to get that up and running and look, we'll see how that goes. And I don't know, we'll never say never to looking at other varieties and what we're doing. Um, yeah, so... Just lentils at the moment, Jack. Beautiful. So where where is it made? Is it made on farm there or have you taken it off and outsourced that to get the product? Well, the we were doing it all on farm and when um, we came to harvest last year, um, it, I just didn't have enough time and we yeah. both didn't have enough time to do harvest to that. So we actually had to start. Outsourcing. Um, outsourcing it and to trying to find reputable people that were gluten-free because the lentils are gluten-free, which is great, um, but we need to have service providers that are, have the same health ratings and, and they can keep that standard as well. So we've had to go off and use some other um, yeah, some other service providers with that. And they get, the summer in Adelaide, summer in Vicky, um, but everyone's pretty close and they're just, yeah, really, really, really good people to deal with, actually. I think eventually we'd like to become more vertically integrated in yep. our business model. Um, but that that's a, will happen over time. So at the moment, we are able to outsource majority of the of the steps to different with different co-manufacturers. Yeah, well, once you get that all going along and you gain further knowledge on how to actually do that, you can start to look at your vertical integration of it. Yeah, definitely. And I guess, you know, we're, we're looking and we're watching people, how they do it and how we eventually want to set our, um, you know, production up as well, And which is, yeah, it's really good to see, in, you know, different people's point of views. Not what to do. <laughs> there's a few of those and it keeps adding on the list, of course. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's great. <laughs> so lentils as a food trend, you said about looking overseas for what, there was, I was over in London for a while and like lentil flowers would, they're taking off over there and those sort of alternatives. If you have alternative within the naming of it um, and not the generic ones that come through all the time, it's really like it sells really well. So how did you go about finding what's trending within foods across the globe and what's going to be happening here in Australia next five, 10, 20 years? Well, we signed up with our local industry body, so Food SA, and through them they provided us with a lot of support to and documents and, and they have access to a lot of these research papers and forecasting, you know, for, forecasting food trend papers. So that 
was really beneficial to us. Um, we also listened to a lot of podcasts and listened to a lot of people being interviewed. Uh, and do you know what? We actually listen, just really talk to our customers as much as we can and try and find out what awareness they have about pulse flowers. Do you use it? Is it a weird philosophy? <laughs> Is it a weird concept for you? Because most people think lentils, oh, I just chuck them in curries and stews and that's about it. So we have had a really strong educational focus with all our marketing, um, talking about its versatility and offering a lot of suggestions as to how to use it. And our, our in-house um, dietitian, you know, she she loves it because uh, it's really an easy way if people want to start incorporating more legumes into their everyday meals. Um, it's really easy and gentle on the digestive system because I think that's another thing that puts off a lot of people is that, oh, you know, they make me fart or they make me bloat and and actually having it as a flower, it, it's quite gentle because you don't actually need to have a lot of it in there to, to add that extra um, nutritional, to have that extra nutritional value. Yeah, beautiful. And finding that nutritional value and being able to convey that on there, how have you gone about that within your marketing to sell to Aussies, I suppose? Are you selling it through like making recipes so people can sort of follow a structure to start adding it into their sort of diet? Yeah, yeah. A lot of trial and error in the kitchen, Jack, because <laughs> I'm not a trained cook by any means. Um, so I put I put most, well, we put all our recipes past our children. If children don't eat it, then, well, they're our toughest food critics. <laughs> so we uh, either tweak it or can the idea <laughs> so um yeah we have a lot of free recipes on the website i think we're up to about 30 which is great and some local lovely ladies of pinaroo helped us out at the beginning doing lots of trials in their you know slices and and muffins and things like that so that was amazing to have that support and we're so so thankful um yeah and i guess the recipes we have typically designed or used are ones that are very, you know, there's no sort of strange ingredients and our lentil is probably the strangest ingredient. Yeah. <laughs> and they're sort of your everyday meals like lasagnas and spaghetti bolognese and banana cakes and carrot cakes and um, people we are finding are, are able to tweak to whatever they want anyway, their taste buds or tweak it slightly or add different herbs slightly to what they're used to. So it really is quite flexible, that flour, because it, it acts as a flavour carrier. So you can have it in a sweet dish or you can have it in a savoury dish or a creamy sauce and it just adds a really nice nutty, earthy taste. Um, we're finding it and some chefs have actually commented that they love you know, coating their meat in it because it really brings out the flavour of the meat. And we've got um, a lot of people who are vegetarian and they like making burgers with it because it really holds all the <laughs> veggies together. So um, lots and lots of creative people out there, which is great, and who are willing to share all their um, learnings with us, which is good. Yeah, I bet. There's a lot of, like, 
words in there or sentences that I just haven't really heard of, like flavor carrying. I didn't think a flower could be flavor carrying um, and how that would work. So it's pretty cool for yourself to be learning this on the run as well, don't you think? Yes, and we have just been so, so thankful, Jack, that we have had lots of support. Um, I guess some of the early adopters who are willing to give us a go have just been very, very honest and open with their feedback and have really been happy to answer a lot of our questions. <laughs> so they'll send us an email and we've got all these questions for them right back at them about how they cooked with it or what they found or, you know, what was their family's reactions and smell and taste and all that kind of thing. So we feel we're slowly building a little community of lentil lovers. <laughs> That's it, the lentil lovers. So yes. for yourself, you've you've been in a few programs and gotten yourself up to scratch. A few notable ones, Farmer to Founder and also the Farm owners academy can you just talk to us about those two and how they've helped you along your journey well i guess um pip's already gone through with um farmers to founders yep. and that just sort of cemented everything that needed to be done especially and i was on the outside of it most of the time it was pip that was directly into it but they just were um they were focused they were hard they were um just looking at data, looking at responses and actually looking at answers. And, I mean, it's nice to have a product and it might be a great product, but do people want it and do people want to buy it? Um, and then going on to farm owners, um, we joined farm owners two years ago. We did the, the – they've got a program called Take Control because, you know, um, I was in the Air Force and Pip, she's a school teacher and, you know, it's one thing to, to take over a farm and it's one thing to learn um, farming, but it's different when you've actually got to learn a business and you've got to actually learn you know, business acumen and, and we weren't, uh, you know, weren't taught any of that really. Um, so we wanted to educate ourselves on that because that's where we're, our falling down was. Yeah. So, yeah, and they've been, yeah, really, really good, unreal. So, and that's helped us immensely just with um, structure, mindset, education, and, mm -hmm. you know, just to really push the business to a new level, you know, like um, making goals and, and actually paying yourself a proper wage. <laughs> so yeah. I know it sounds stupid, but, you know, we really should pay ourselves a proper wage. <laughs> yeah, that's and I it. think, okay, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think we probably have found their financial. They do do a separate program. You don't, you know, you can do this on the side. Um, uh, that they run a financial framework, yeah. and we really enjoyed that component of it. Actually, um, it really taught us how to look at our cash flow and our our. Um, profit and loss and that end of year tax, you know, that you get from the report you get from the accountant and really understand what, how to set internal benchmarks. And look, we are definitely not, you know, we're, we're definitely on a way to becoming more financially literate in that aspect, but we started off right down the bottom. And so we feel that that's given us a bit more courage too to probably start this other um, business with our lentil flour. So 
um, yeah, while we've still got a bit of learning and a little bit more legwork to go, it definitely was a good a good foundation and a good course to go through. Yeah, definitely. And it really just bolsters your impact with your variating for Pinaroo Farms and how that will play a part. For Without diving into your spreadsheets, but Pinaroo Farms, is it starting to improve your outlook as a farm and as like a separate business, as two businesses going forward? Do you see that it's yeah. grown yourself both financially but also developing your personal skills? Yeah, I, I, we honestly have done a lot of opportunity costs uh, and looked at different financial models around Pinnery Farms. Yeah. And yeah. whilst we are still, you know, because well, we've, yeah, whilst we're still in the startup phase and, um, you know, there's a little bit of fine tuning as to exactly which uh, business model we're going to go, which will change our financial strategy. Um, and that we think we'll understand a little bit more. We just need to grow a bit more, to be honest, and we'll understand that probably within the next 12 months. However, having this uh, uh, land around our area is in quite uh, tightly held and there's a lot of um, corporate farmers around us. So we were really looking for a way to value add to our existing agribusiness and you know this opportunity presented itself and yeah the numbers we think well for our personal business yeah it'll work well we can pull it off which I think we will (laughs) so by the looks of it I think you were going really well there I think what you just said there is a huge thing that probably a lot aren't thinking about everyone just sort of looks to scale 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 get more land but currently it's like the costs are going through the roof, um, whether you've got good rainfall or bad rainfall on average um, and whether you can optimize what's going on on your own farm, like yourself, you've been working on this mm. product for Pinaroo farms and growing your lentil flowers and also your other products coming. It's really important. Like farmers can start to optimize and that's will be the only way that we can start to actually lift the goal of 100 million at the farm gate by 2030 or whatever they think yeah yeah definitely and it's just that courage to have a go um yeah. getting out there and you've got an idea and you say well actually stuff it you know and <laughs> let's let's actually have a crack at this so i don't want to die wondering and we didn't yeah. want to die wondering so we're like well if it goes it goes if it doesn't it doesn't so yeah and I guess we, we also have made a commitment as to um, how long we will invest into this enterprise, into the farm, uh, the flower enterprise. So, you know, we've, we've got some of those parameters set in and around our, our uh, agribusiness as well. So, and we've also got um, some board members, uh, not board members, an advisory board who we're just, mo- you know, helping us touching base every quarter to make sure you know things are ticking along and we've got a it's not just skeet and i we're actually slowly building a team around us which is um sharing a bit of the workload and a bit of the thinking power which is is really beneficial it's pretty vital you can get um like pretty rushed or a bit fuzzy in the head knowing like you're just running through it all the time and you just see something and 
you see it every day that someone comes in, they just, oh, that's wrong. You just sort of need to change your direction or something like that. Yeah, and I think with, well, yeah, I'm going to be honest. Like, we don't know food service and mm. we don't know, we don't know the flower industry and we don't know, oh, you know, and we didn't know um, value adding um, and value propositions. And so we needed to, and you need to speak to different people. And, and the funny thing is that if you ask a question, people actually do give you a nice response and people, majority, you know, be there to help you. Um, and they want to help. So that's fantastic. So I think if anyone's out there that's got a you know, burning desire, I think just go for it and ask a question. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I think you just got to jump in the deep end. I think a lot of people are out there, they've got a lot of good ideas, but they just, you need to execute it. A lot don't, but it's good to see you guys have come out the other end well, in the midst of it currently, and it's going really well for you guys. But for yourself, how do you set up your goals? You spoke about Farm Owners Academy setting some goals for the farm, setting goals for the farm and also for your products. How do they look and are they long-term or short-term? Mm. Um, well, it's funny because when we told my dad that we were setting a goal, he's like, you can't set goals in agriculture. It changes every, <laughs> every season, every year. And so that was an interesting conversation. <laughs> but... Um, we, to be honest, Jack, we started off really small by actually just trying to get off the farm. So, in because it's just, it's just Skeet and I and Dad every now and then helping out when it's busy. So we just thought, well, let's just work at Bloomin' having a few long weekends every now and then, and just going away in the camper or you know doing something different off the farm. So we're actually having a break. So to be honest, that's just where we started, and. From, you know, and that's now grown into over the probably the last two years, we've started to develop sort of our allocation. All right, this is sort of the improvements we want to do with our infrastructure around the farm. This is what we'd like to, you know, these are when we have to change our machinery. So now we know, all right, in three years' time, we need to change, blah, blah, blah. And we're starting to plan for that, which in farming, I find and probably a lot of your listeners find that there's so much uncertainty with farming and it's nice to know, all right, this is coming up so you can really make use of when you do have the good years or you do sell your your livestock at, at a really good price um, that you can allocate some of that spare cash if you have it to help move towards achieving those goals and pushing your business forward. I guess, like, and we're, we've got our, our quarterly goals, our yearly goal, um, three years, 10 years. With the flower. With the flower yeah. and the farm. So it's, um, yeah, it, it really gives you that direction and it comes back to what you're, you know, are we doing this? Is it in our goals? Yes, it is. Good, let's do it. If it's not, at least you've got something written down and it's already there. So you can, it gives you a bit of a guideline in, I guess, some tougher years as well. But it didn't, the goals didn't come overnight, Jack, because it took us ages to work out goals. What, what we actually wanted. <laughs> and then people kept, people kept asking us, we're like, I don't know. <laughs> we just want it to rain and, you know, grow a good crop. <laughs> and then we slowly started to change the way we thought and we just started off really small, like let's just aim to get off the farm this quarter. 
and go away for a couple long weekends and then it sort of started to grow from there yeah right so your goals are not necessarily financial goals it's should i like in 10 years do i need to be working on this project full time or can i just take some time off whenever i want to sort of thing is that the sort of basis yeah we have yeah, well, we started off with um, the non-financials first because we didn't really know what we wanted yet. Yep. And then as we, uh, you know, sometimes you just need time, don't you, to, to really think about it and to you talking to other people and and then sort of develop a direction. So, yeah, now definitely we have in our, um, so this whole process probably took us a year and a half, <laughs> but now definitely with our flower, we have, all right, we would like to have four people working for us full-time by year three. By year 10, we would like to see X, Y, and Z. This is the turnover we'd like to have. This is where we see the business. This is where we see how we see ourselves in the business. Um, And, yeah, look, we hope we get there. I think you just sometimes just got to put it down. And and we, when we first started this process, we – changed it all the time like oh that's not really going to work or now nah, we don't really want that and and we'd cross that off and then rechange that sentence and yeah I'm sure look as the kids get a bit older and we might change again um you never know what life throws at you so but it, it is nice to have something at least written down um that you can work towards yeah, definitely. It's something I'm working on for our family farm as well. Uh, you can't work towards something if you haven't set a goal or anything like that, which is pretty important. I think the older blokes in the industry sort of haven't. They've just sort of plotted along, sold, got the money and then restocked or gotten ready for the harvest season coming again. So they keep repeating the process and they are doing a really good job. But how can you enhance that and bring something out from it, what you guys are doing, which is pretty cool as well to have a product at the end of it. Have you found the goal-setting process out of curiosity? The goalposts keep moving. Um, (laughs) But as long as they're achievable goals and everyone knows what the goals are, I think it's quite easy to achieve, even if it's just a little 1% improvement on that goal, um, financial for improving RAND prices or improving um, the way we use our time throughout the day. And even if you can get that right, you can have a little bit more after that task is sort of finished. So it works hand in hand um, for those working on farm, which is pretty cool. Mm. Yeah, 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 definitely. So as a very adding farm and also farmers on the side, coming from your backgrounds of the Air Force and a teacher, what would be your one piece of farms advice you'd like to pass on? Oh, good question. I um, I would say if there is anyone out there who is thinking about uh, doing a value-add business, so in your regional town, um, I guess some of the challenges I had was the whole thing around self-promotion and marketing, which is interesting in a small country town. Um, I found that really tricky, but I also had to have the mindset that 
if you don't talk about your product, no one's going to know you're around and you're not going to have a business. So (laughs) I had to really um, overcome some of that, I guess, fear and and mental blockages around that. So I I just want to put it out there to anyone who's worried about that. (laughs) Just I'm hearing you because it is tricky to sort of get out there and put yourself out there a lot. Um, Maybe we're not brought up. I probably wasn't brought up that way. And, yeah, but on the flip side, we've met so many wonderful people. We've met, uh, some of our customers are just really, really lovely and they're so thankful for farmers and the fact we're, you know, doing the best we can with our land practices and um, love when harvest comes around and seeing it all happen and the buzz on the farm. So there is that really nice flip side, which I think in farming we are really connected to the end consumer as much. So that's, yeah, it was worth it. Yeah, that's what I find so so cool about your sort of product, how you can connect straight to the consumer. But Skeet, what what do you think? Is it down the same lines or? Yeah, I think you've just really, because... I didn't have any, you know, contact to the farm, so I've always asked questions. Um, even when I thought I knew stuff, I just really wanted to clarify what it was. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, and so many people out there too are willing to help. They love talking about farming. They love to, and there's, you know, there's as many people that love talking about accounting and, and business um, value-add um podcasts yeah well everyone yeah is a lot more i know they just love the conversation and willing to help you so um i think just ask the questions and think of good questions to ask um yeah just doesn't have to um sort of take up the airspace just think of good questions to ask and yeah trying to tap that that knowledge that some people have yeah absolutely tapping into what other people know is a pretty good one and also, we're pretty yeah. modest, as Pip said, as Australians, and we we're not very good at creating hype around our own brands or our products that we're selling. No. If you go yeah, overseas, it's right. a totally different story. They're shouting like mad. It's annoying actually, but like we just need to find our <laughs> our level of selling the products and just getting our name out there, which is pretty important. But you must be doing something right because I came across you on social media. Um, and saw the work that you were doing and loved what you're adding to your farm. And so um, now, oh, thank you're, you. now you're part of the Farms Vice alumni. So thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> no, thank you, mate. Do, we, do we get a shirt? <laughs> I don't get a shirt yet. Um, I'll have to get some for, for the podcast. But as you, as you say, farmers always love to talk and these podcasts usually go for half an hour, but it's nearly an hour now. So thanks for coming on the episode i love always talking to farmers so it's really good to see what you're doing down in south australia we're not doing the same up here but it's good to get some insight into yours for the podcast who else would you like to hear on the farms wise podcast and why oh that's a good question hmm uh in business there's yeah uh i'd probably like to hear some um that how people if they've got any agri-tech ideas so i'm not sure if anyone's out there but we love hearing about 
And that's probably the exposure when we got to meet some really awesome farmers through the Farmers to Founders. And yep. there's just some great farmers out there uh, who are just making some really, really cool apps and um, pieces of machinery. So I think like one of the guys really captured our attention in the last course we did with them was the Oz Crimper guys. And yeah, pretty worth having a chat to them. They've got a great story. Absolutely. And yeah, there's a lot of farmers out there making some cool stuff, benefiting their own farm, but I wish they'd make it commercial. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're in the process. Yeah. Needs that Absolutely. demand. Absolutely. Well, Skeet, Pip, thank you very much for coming on the Farms Wise podcast and sharing your experience. I'm sure the listeners will get something out of it. I have for sure. Um, it'll be one to listen to coming up. Thanks, Thanks very much, Jack. Jack. Thanks for your time. No worries. Best of luck with Harvest. Thanks for listening to episode 65 with myself and to Pinaroo Farms, Pip and Skeet. Thanks for coming along and sharing with us the unreal value that you've learned along the way as a teacher and former RAF. It's really important that we can share your story and hopefully it can help someone out there take away something from this episode and implement it into their own farming enterprise. But if not, share it with a mate, a farming mate, or one that's not even in agriculture. Might be quite handy as well. That might find it useful to help us grow as an independent podcast. It's really important that you can help share this along. Word of mouth spreads the best in agriculture, so keep it spreading. So make sure if you love this episode, leave a comment on our Instagram page or with an Apple podcast review. We were ranked 118th last year in the business category and this year would love to smash that out of the paddock. But until then, next Tuesday, keep on farming. G'day farmers, thanks for sticking around right to the end of this podcast. If you'd like to become a part of the tight-knit community of farmers, Join the Farms Advice Australia Facebook group. Just search it in the Facebook search bar, type in Farms Advice Australia and you'll be sure to find us. Here you can ask the questions for the upcoming podcast or you can even ask one of the men or women in the community and it might even be able to help you out and speed up the process of your learning to improve the way you farm. See you next week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.